Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. The following podcast contains audio extracted from videos on the Harry Potter Theory YouTube channel. Hey everyone, welcome to another installment of Harry Potter Theory. Today, we're going to be discussing what happened to the Wizarding World after the climactic defeat of Lord Voldemort in the Deathly Hallows. After a period of total chaos, a sudden silence fell over the Hogwarts grounds, the menacing Lord of Darkness, Voldemort, was finally defeated. Victory brought a fresh morning glimmer, marking an end to the fear and terror that the Dark Lord had spread across the Wizarding World. But even though Voldemort's reign was short-lived, his time in power was more than long enough to spread a veil of darkness over the once vibrant Wizarding World. Lives were lost, institutions crumbled, and the inhabitants of the Wizarding World were reminded of what darkness was capable of. And in times like this, the darkest of times, it would be wise for the Wizarding population to follow the sage advice of Albus Dumbledore the man that always reminded us to turn on the light. Voldemort's defeat was a glorious occasion for the good guys, but as the light of victory settled, a new and colossal task dawned on the wizarding world. The reconstruction of a fractured world and the healing of a society bruised by Voldemort's regime. But if the phoenix has taught us anything, it's that it is after the fall from the flames that we rise again, stronger than ever. The ashes of defeat had fallen, now it was time for the magical world to rise. I've done a video in the past discussing what happened to each and every character from the series in the post-war era, but today we're going to be honing in on Wizarding Society as a whole. What happened to Hogwarts, the Ministry of Magic, Diagon Alley? Without further ado, let's uncover the rebirth of Wizarding Society. New Leadership During the Second Wizarding War, even the Wizarding World's primary governmental body fell to the regime of Voldemort. This meant that, following the Ministry takeover, Voldemort was able to install Pious Thickness as Minister for Magic, replacing the previous minister, Rufus Scrimger, who was assassinated at the hands of the Dark Lord. During his time as minister, the Imperious Pious acted as Voldemort's puppet, blindly following his orders. It's not entirely clear what happened to Thickness, but we do know that he participated in the Battle of Hogwarts. We also know that he was stunned during the battle, and possibly later killed. This put the Wizarding World in a brief and unique position where no Minister for Magic existed, that is, until Kingsley Shacklebolt was named Temporary Minister. During his time as Interim Minister, Kingsley was able to use his steady hand and calculated mind to steer the fragile Ministry of Magic through turbulent times. One of his first acts was to set about the task of apprehending Voldemort's remaining followers in order to uphold peace and security in the Wizarding Realm. This task, however, was far from straightforward. Many who obeyed Voldemort claimed to have been acting under the Imperious Curse, which led to the arduous task of picking out the liars. Nevertheless, Kingsley did quite a job at reinstilling the wizarding population's confidence in its primary governmental body. Kingsley helped to implement reforms anchored in fairness, equality, and transparency, 
leading to a marked improvement in the Ministry's relationship with the Wizarding community and other magical beings, which had been strained under Voldemort's regime. Crucially, Shacklebolt's era as Minister saw the modernization and democratization of the Ministry that had been overdue. It allowed the scars of conflict to heal and gave the Wizarding world a glimpse of a future filled with hope and peace. Under Kingsley's guidance, the Ministry sought to cleanse itself of the rancor and prejudice that had festered within its ranks. Muggleborns, once persecuted under Voldemort's regime, found solace in a more inclusive society, where their magical prowess was valued and respected just as much as that of their pure-blood counterparts. During his term, Kingsley helped rid the Ministry of Corruption, captured and imprisoned Death Eaters, banned Dementors from guarding Azkaban, appointed Harry as head of the Aura Department, and, along with Hermione, mostly eradicated pro-pureblood views. Because of Shacklebolt's invaluable contributions to Wizarding Society, he was eventually appointed as the 35th Official Minister for Magic, a position that he remained in for over 20 years. Eradication of the Death Eaters The sentencing of the remaining Death Eaters was a large part of the Wizarding World's next chapter, namely as identifying and bringing the surviving Death Eaters to justice was no easy task. After the First Wizarding War, many Death Eaters escaped the claws of justice and were able to reintegrate with Wizarding society undetected. This time, more stringent protocols were put in place to avoid repeating the same mistake twice. The likes of Lucius Malfoy, who frequently strutted the halls of the Ministry with arrogance, were among those who faced a series of intense interrogations, eventually finding themselves with a one-way ticket to Azkaban. Not every Death Eater received a prison sentence, though, Severus Snape, the bravest man Harry ever knew, was posthumously exonerated. Unraveling the intricate web of Voldemort's followers was largely the responsibility of the Aurors. The Ministry's bravest undeniably became the frontline soldiers in this complex mission. After the war, Harry Potter himself became an Auror, as did Ron Weasley. Together, they joined the ranks of elite Aurors at the Ministry and worked relentlessly to root out the remaining Death Eaters. The trials of the Death Eaters and the steady eradication of Voldemort's lingering influence undoubtedly proved pivotal in restoring a sense of security and progress within the Wizarding World. It also demonstrated the resilience, courage, and determination of a community that wished not to forget its dark past, but rather to learn from it and aim for a brighter future. Hogwarts and Magical Education In the aftermath of the Battle of Hogwarts, the once majestic grounds of Hogwarts School were left in shambles. The landscape was scarred by the skeletal remains of smashed debris and crumbling infrastructure, with what remained serving as a constant reminder of the immense destruction that occurred as a result of the conflict. They stood up at once, and together he, Ron, and Hermione left the Great Hall. Great chunks were missing from the marble staircase, part of the balustrade gone, and rubble and bloodstains occurred every few steps as they climbed. But nonetheless, Voldemort's forces were defeated, and the sight of the ruins also served as a poignant reminder of the bravery and sacrifice displayed by students, teachers, and defenders of the Wizarding World. And amidst the wreckage, something stirred. The chance for a new beginning, and the opportunity to rebuild a better world. In many ways, the fall of Hogwarts represented not a catastrophic end, but rather the dawn of a new era. It was the closure of a chapter marked by fear, distrust, and division opening the path for transformation, unity, and growth. And who better to guide Hogwarts in this new direction than Minerva McGonagall? The first step in bringing Hogwarts back to its former glory 
was repairing the grounds and restoring the protective enchantments that made Hogwarts a safe haven for young students. It took four months to get the school back to working order, at which point McGonagall was appointed as the official headmistress by the Hogwarts Board of Governors. In September of 1998, the school began welcoming first years back to the school, and though the school was fit to accommodate students, there was still a lot of work that needed to be done. Voldemort met his demise on the 2nd of May in that same year, so all things considered, the turnaround time for the school was pretty good. And while the castle was rebuilt, Hogwarts and its denizens bore the invisible scars of the war, the most blatant example of this being the fact that nearly all of the students were now able to witness the Thestrals that pulled carriages. Creatures that we know are only visible by those who have witnessed death. This served as a constant reminder of what they had survived. To commemorate the battle, McGonagall hosted annual memorials, ensuring that the memory of that fateful day lived on. Included in these memorials were demonstrations on how to perform an effective shield charm. As headmistress, McGonagall made revolutionary decisions, including providing extra guidance to Muggleborn students who were unfairly targeted during Voldemort's regime. She was also quite hands-on, closely engaging with students of the school and even carrying out duties such as sending acceptance letters to admitted students, escorting first years to the Great Hall and presiding over the sorting ceremony, tasks that she performed in her previous role at the school. One of the biggest challenges, however, was filling the void left by staff lost during the battle. With that said, McGonagall certainly did rise to the occasion, successfully hiring a new transfiguration teacher, staffing defense against the dark arts, and even, eventually, appointing Neville Longbottom as a professor of herbology, working in tandem with Professor Sprout. Earning a reputation as a successful and inspiring headmistress, Minerva eventually took up residence in Dumbledore's old quarters, turning her study into a space filled with a soothing melody from a self-playing harp. She also continued the tradition of contributing to the pensive, ensuring that her valuable memories were accessible by future headmasters and headmistresses. One major aspect of the school's progression was ensuring that the four houses, Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, and Slytherin, were unified. The Battle of Hogwarts and Voldemort's regime placed a considerable amount of tension between the students of Slytherin and the other houses. However, the fall of Voldemort also presented a valuable opportunity for Hogwarts staff to educate students on the histories of the four houses. With more emphasis placed on the past, Hogwarts staff and students were able to avoid making the same mistakes, which resulted in a much more prosperous dynamic moving forward. The previously tarnished reputation of Slytherin House began to wash away as the school and its community learned from past prejudices. The sorrows and triumphs of the past became crucial life lessons ingrained in the curriculum. History of magic, once considered by many to be a tedious subject, gained newfound importance as it familiarized students with the Second Wizarding War and its implications. Broken Families Though the Wizarding War was won, it certainly didn't come without a price. Families were ripped apart, lives were lost, and homes were destroyed. This holds true for many of the families that we became more intimately connected to during the story. But despite all of the tragedy, the healing of families and communities was a vital and necessary ingredient in the process of mending the Wizarding World. The Weasley family perfectly exemplified this path to healing. Over the course of the Second Wizarding War, they experienced unimaginable tragedy. They lost their home, they lost Fred, 
and they all bore the traumatic scars of people who had witnessed death firsthand. With that said, however, they were able to lean on one another during these dark times, embodying the resilience and power of a family uniting to cope with such a great deal of pain. On the other side of the spectrum, we have the Malfoy family. Though they might not have suffered as dramatically as the Weasley family, their journey to redemption and reparation was no less daunting. Throughout the series, we saw the Malfoys fluctuating between power, fear, and disillusionment with their dark alliance. In the aftermath of Voldemort's defeat, they had to redefine their lives, find a new path, and be accepted back into the community. The journey of healing, encompassing families and communities, is one of pain and progress. As the wizarding world picked up the broken pieces and molded them into a magnificently mended future, they were given a stark reminder that even in the darkest of times, there is light to be found. The restoration of the wizarding world can be aptly summarized in the wise words of Luna Lovegood, who remarked, things we lose have a way of coming back to us in the end, if not always in the way we expect. A new era in magical media. In the wizarding world, the daily prophet is more than a source of news. It's a significant influence on public opinion. Remember when Harry's claims of Voldemort's return were ridiculed in the paper? Or when the boy who lived was labeled a disturbed and dangerous individual? Those weren't mere character assassinations. They were crucial pieces in the jigsaw of wider wizarding perception, setting the stage for Voldemort's triumphant return. This meant that following Voldemort's defeat, the magical media was not exempt from reformation. Under the reign of you-know-who, the once-revered Daily Prophet had morphed into a mere instrument of propaganda. It published Rita Skeeter's highly embellished poison pieces and blatantly denied Lord Voldemort's return. Post-war, the Ministry's new administration demanded transparency and honesty in journalism, pushing the Daily Prophet to shed its bias and regain its stature. The post-war era also brought with it a push for information sharing between the magical and non-magical world, without breaking the statute of secrecy, of course. With numerous Muggleborns having suffered under Voldemort's regime, efforts to bridge the gap between these two worlds became paramount. Initiatives included sharing magical news through certain Muggle channels, carefully disguised to avoid suspicion. In addition, close contact was retained with the Muggle Prime Minister who happened to get along quite well with Kingsley Shacklebolt. Magical Sports and Entertainment Before the Goblet of Fire, magical sports and entertainment thrived in the wizarding world. However, all of that changed when, during the Quidditch World Cup, chaos ensued and Voldemort's Death Eaters made their resurgence known, tyrannizing fans and players alike. With Voldemort's imminent return, games suddenly didn't seem quite so important. But with light triumphing over darkness, the magical world certainly didn't wait long to dust off their old brooms and get back on the Quidditch pitch. What better way to heal the wounds and reconnect with beloved traditions than by reigniting the competitive spirit of wizards and witches alike? Magical Creatures From the Forbidden Forest to the Great Lake, the wizarding world is filled with a myriad of magical creatures and beings, many of which were implicated in the Second Wizarding War. Voldemort, by way of false promises, manipulated legions of creatures to do his bidding, from giants to dementors to werewolves. Standing in opposition to them, fighting for the good guys, were centaurs, thestrals, hippogriffs, and house elves. The Battle of Hogwarts claimed many lives, but you'll be glad to hear that they didn't die in vain. Right after the Battle of Hogwarts, there was a renewed interest in the rights and care of magical creatures. From Dobby's legacy inspiring a more compassionate perspective on house elves, 
To Hagrid's unwavering adoration for all creatures big and small, the post-war era unveiled a heartfelt effort towards coexisting harmoniously with magical creatures. The aftermath of the war saw the magical community taking determined steps to restore and preserve the magical environment. From cleaning up the enchanted forest, to tending to the Whomping Willow, there was an outpouring of love for Mother Nature, a humbling reminder that magic is as much a part of the environment as it is of us. In essence, the post-war era sent a clear message. Magical creatures, beings, and the environment hold a vital, throbbing heart at the core of the magical world. Whether it's understanding the freedom-craving essence of house elves, or valuing the wisdom of centaurs, a step back to admire our magical allies is a testament to the diverse and symbiotic universe we dwell in. Conclusion And that concludes my exploration of the breathtaking resurgence of the wizarding world following the fall of the Dark Lord Voldemort. From the reformation of the Ministry of Magic, to the rebuilding of Hogwarts, to the valiant steps towards living amicably amidst magical creatures and beings, the spirit of magic was rekindled in a world that had borne the brunt of he who must not be named. Is there anything I missed in the post-Second Wizarding War era? If so, please leave a comment down below. Also, if you want to find out what happened to all of the characters, be sure to check out my video where I dive into the post-war lives of 100 Harry Potter characters. Link in the pinned comment. Until next time, remember, it is our choices that show what we truly are, far more than our abilities.